Welcome to the Driven Woman Podcast, where we're on a mission to empower women with the mindset, tools, and strategies so that they can lead powerfully and authentically in order to make a massive impact on this world. I'm your host, Sophia Bryan. Hi there, Driven Woman. Happy New Year to you. We are officially in 2020 and I am so excited about the lineup for the Driven Woman podcast. So before I get into this week's episode, I am going to invite you to go over to sophiabryan.com forward slash resources and grab my free strategic planning workbook. Now, this workbook uh, is a 42-page book um, where I dive into seven key areas of our lives as women, and you will get an opportunity to do a thorough assessment. And it's a workbook, so you'll be guided through some activities to do, to do your own strategic planning for 2020 and beyond. I know that you will really enjoy utilizing this tool because I put a lot of thought into preparing it for you. Now, go to sophiabryan.com forward slash resources. Now, let's get into this week's episode. Talk soon. Is the award-winning leadership and personal development consultant uh, of... Sutherland Coaching and Consulting, as one of the first ever female CEOs in the telecommunications industry within the Caribbean, she devotes her energies to developing the leadership prowess of women and driving the increase of female representation in the C-suite. She is the author of international bestseller, This Woman Can, the No BS Guide for Women Who Lead. (laughs) (laughs) And she is the host of This Woman Can podcast, utilizing her personal journey as a team bride, abuse survivor, a divorced mother of two, and CEO of a global multi-million dollar company. Uh, and rising to the top as a woman's leadership expert, she creates programs that equip and inspire women to advance their careers and develop the confidence, presence, and influence, which I talk about a lot, right, guys? Uh, They need to drive through leadership barriers and confidently navigate the boardroom. Ladies, my guest today is Janice Sutherland, Hi, Janice. Hey, Sophia. Hi, listeners. Yes, yes. How are you doing today? Absolutely fabulous. Yes, yes, yes. I love how chirpy you are in the morning. <laughs> and you know what? It can, it can be a little grating for some people because I'm pretty much like this all the time. <laughs> Okay, that's good to know. I'm going, I'm working on it. I'm work, I'm building my way up to being happy, chirpy, vibrant all day, but maybe one, you know, yeah, getting there. Coffee helps. It'll, it'll, it'll come, it'll come. <laughs> um, so Janice, um, you have an amazing bio. There are some things that I left out because um, I really want, you know, for you to share it directly. But I am going to start off the conversation by asking you to share a little bit about your upbringing, where you grew up, and 
how that experience or those experiences have shaped the woman that you are today? That's a great question. Um, as you can probably tell, um, my accent, it's mm-hmm. English. Mm-hmm. Even though, even though I've, I live in the Caribbean, I am of Caribbean parentage, um, Antiguan and Catitian parentage. Mm. And I am the eldest of six children. Um, my mom was a teen, was a, was a teen mother when she, when she had me. So, and she had six children in very quick succession. So we went six, five, four, three, two, one. Wow. You know, so um, we were very, cl- very close. But um, she was also single. So I took on the monk being the eldest, mm. of almost being the, of being the unofficial leader. I'm also first-generation immigrant in the UK because my mother came over from the Caribbean as a, as a teenager and mm. we were the product first first generation. So 60s, 70s, very different environment um, mm-hmm. to what people think because obviously Windrush generation, people think they're coming to the land of milk and honey, streets are paved yeah. with gold. <laughs> and, what they re- and what they really saw was um, racism, no no dogs no blacks no irish so it was a very different environment to um what you see now so i was as i said the eldest of six um took charge very early on was given that responsibility early on and i'm not even sure if i was you know sometimes a case of is it is it nature or nurture Mm. because i was i was a leader by default yeah yeah. so i always kind of taken that leadership stance i think it's bred in me now to, mm. to go to go forward um and then I suppose rapidly moving forward I then became a teen bride myself yeah um at, at nine at 19 and they sometimes say marry in haste repent at leisure um mm. so <laughs> it was a little it was a little of that it was a little of that going on and I think after um my divorce with then two children it was really a case of what do I do now because I had left school again. Product of that generation was like, you go and find a job. It wasn't necessarily about university. There's a lot of focus now on school in the Caribbean. And yeah, back yeah. then, you know, in, in, the, in the UK and that, that era, it wasn't about going to university. It was about actually making a dollar, you know, getting a piece of that gold, the, the, the streets that were paved, and wow. going out and find a job. So academically I, I don't think I was I wouldn't say I was very bright mm-hmm. um but then I wouldn't say I was stupid because then I went on to get three more degrees I wow. just think mm-hmm. I have a, I have I think I have a challenge of the age of maybe 13 14 right. asking a child to kind of choose the subjects that will detect oh my god right oh you know so and you don't really know what you want then you don't really have the sense you know, to really mm-hmm. think about, okay, what am I going to be when I get older? So for me, the focus was finding a job. But then after um, I went through the divorce and stuff like that, I realized I wanted to do something more. I had more in me. And yeah. I was fortunate to find a, a foundation degree course that allowed me to use my work experience as uh, an outlet or as a, as, as a path to getting onto a foundation degree. And from there, I took my my BA then. I took a uh, diploma in professional sales. I then took a master's in strategic sales management and got that with distinction. Mm-hmm. So I think you just have to find what you're passionate about, a subject you're passionate about to really excel. Right. Awesome. So uh, it's interesting that we have a, f- a few commonalities where family is concerned. So my mother had six of us. 
Okay. Uh, and I'm the second to last one, but I was I became the default leader too because my eldest sister, she became mother for me when our mother passed. And so it was me and my siblings and I was the oldest one. So I basically had to learn how to to do a lot of things very early on. I can appreciate that. You had to learn how to be a disciplinarian. You had to learn how to manage a household and figure out a lot of things um, while still figuring out being a normal young girl and very much very much Mm -hmm. and then the other thing for me I think growing up as well is that again where we lived we were pretty much the one of the first black families Mm. so Mm. going to school you know there weren't very many of us in the same class yeah yeah yeah. so you had to navigate okay my sense of identity being different and how do I not feel insecure in the differentness of of who I am that's amazing yeah So I want to ask another question related to um, your early marriage. What made you have the confidence to decide to actually get out of that situation? Because that's a struggle that a lot of women experience, whether or not we get married. At what point do you know that, okay, this is not for me and I need to, you know, swallow my pride and move on? Yeah. Um, I think it's it's a combination of things, to be honest. That's a really good question. Um, because when I had decided to, this was enough, enough was enough, um, I was offered the opportunity to relocate with the organization mm. I was working with there. Okay. So I took the chance to relocate, but, and then, you know, we'd agreed that I'd relocate, et cetera, et cetera. We'd kind of agreed that. And then there was a decision that, that, that he, he changed his mind and he came along, but I didn't ask the important question. Mm. And that important question is, why have you changed your mind? What has made you decide to work on this? And I probably didn't want to hear the answer, you know? Yeah. And um, eventually, and I can't even say it was my decision to finish the relationship because he just left and never came back. Mm. Which is a very, another strange um, scenar- scenario. Yeah, yeah. But it was during that process I realized, hang on a minute, you know, I don't need this. It's much, my life is a lot easier without this aggravation. I was already then pregnant with my second son. Mm-hmm. And so it was a case of more about survival um, for me and my, my then son and my forthcoming child. So really it was just about, well, this is what's best for me now. I need to put me first mm-hmm. and me and my children first. And, and, that, and that's the focus for me. Wow. Wow. That's so important. Isn't it amazing that sometimes if we aren't brave enough to make the decisions, sometimes the universe, God just right. makes the decision for us, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> definitely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it works out in our favor and you are clearly the queen of bouncing back <laughs> bouncing oh, back I very well the, I have bounce back ability mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right talk to us about your journey into the telecommunications industry that should be interesting to hear yeah it, well it was never it was never planned that's probably mm-hmm. the first thing to say um when I met my my now husband um, mm-hmm. by that, at that time um I was I, I was in my four, just turning forty. Um, I'm giving away my age now. Um, <laughs> just, just, just turning, just turning forty. And um, when we met, my husband's Jamaican heritage, Jamaican hmm. parentage. And he said to me, he said, "Look, you know, um, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm not staying in the UK. 
you know, I'm going to tell you straight, this is pretty much our first or second date. I'm not staying in the UK. I plan to move to Jamaica. That's where my family home is, et cetera, et cetera. So, ooh, you know, I like Jamaica to visit, mm-hmm. but I never feel, I always feel like a foreigner. That was my, you know, I never felt yeah. totally settled. Yeah. So I said, so I said to him, come and see Antigua. And I was taking my mom back for her 60th birthday because she'd never returned from leaving as a child. Wow. So I'd taken her back. I'd taken her back. We made this family trip well, between, between the three of us. And he absolutely loved it. Wow. So we then decided that we're going to make the plan to move. We bought a piece of land. We started mm-hmm. building a house. We had a conversation with the boys because the boys now were growing up. Wow. Um, um, yeah, one was... One was of age, one was on the way to university, last mm-hmm. one on the way to university. And we planned, we had a five-year plan. And I think planning is probably one thing that goes, that runs through me. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a five-year plan of how we we're going to make this transition from the UK to the Caribbean. And in the interim, I was still applying for jobs because I knew I wouldn't, we needed to still work. I need to mm-hmm. do some work. And the, the job with the telecoms organization came up. And while I was here, while I was on visit, visiting for the house, and um, interviewed, and they told me I didn't get the job. Mm. And I was prepared to take a step back for the job, which was fine, because I knew I couldn't step into the level I was audit senior management in the UK, mm-hmm. but I was prepared to step back a little bit because I actually wanted to slow down a tad. Mm. That, yeah. was the, that, was the, that was the plan. And, um, but they said, can we keep you on file? I said, yes, you can. And I returned home, and literally a few days later, they said a role's come up we think you'd be ideal for. Wow. I flew back. <laughs> flew wow. back, went, went for the interview, and was offered um, a role of, as, commercial, as commercial manager. And I was in that. I was worked in the commercial e- element for five years. And then in, in the interim, they offered me CEO roles, and I refused to leave Antigua because I'd already left one country and I didn't want to move to another territory. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. As I said, I have my husband and my dogs. You know, so <laughs> I, don't want to move, I don't want to move. And um, eventually they offered me um, Antigua. They offered me a CEO role for Antigua. Nice. Um, I was interim CEO for St. Kitts um, in, for an interim period while there, there was some transitioning going on. And then I was appointed CEO for Antigua and Barbuda and for Montserrat. Two mm-hmm. very different countries. Um, one very mature market and one a very new market, but I'd launched in that market, mm-hmm. so I knew it. I knew it. I knew it well. I was, I was um, responsible for the commercial, the commercial launch there, so I knew it very well. So I spent two years um, mm. in the role and in, in the role of CEO, which is very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting being on the other side. Even though you worked very, I worked very closely to the CEOs that were there that were there at the time. Um, it was very different being in the role. Yeah. And as I said, I'd, re- I'd resisted being in the role. When I was first offered it, I turned it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. All right. So as it relates to being CEO, one of the things I, I say, which, you know, people probably don't believe, as much as there are a few odds stacked against us as women in leadership, there are also some internal advantages that we have that make us uh, better leaders, uh, yes. not in a comparative sort of sense, but there are hidden things about us as women that make us able to lead exceptionally. So yeah. uh, how do you think that manifested itself as you were serving as CEO? What were some of those things that made you nailed it because of the fact that you're a woman and the traits that we have as women leaders? 
Well, I, I, I want to just take a quick step back before things. As I said, I, when I was initially uh, offered the role, I turned mm-hmm. it down. Mm-hmm. And when I look back, I turned it down because um, everybody I'd seen in that role, and I remember having this conversation with my, my, then, my then boss, were, were, as I call them, pale, male and stale. Because there were no... There were no, there were no role models. I'd never seen anybody mm-hmm. who looked like me in that role. So that was my reticence because... One of the things I didn't want, one of the things I felt made me successful as to who I've been as a leader was for me to be my authentic self, yes. you know, to lead, to lead. I, w- I wouldn't say from the heart, probably from the heart is probably a term to use, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's, it's a very different style of leadership to what I, to what I'd seen the male, mm-hmm. the males, you know, the very aggressive um, very pushy and mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not a, I'm not saying I'm not I don't have those traits because I have them when I need them mm-hmm. otherwise I wouldn't have got to where I got to it's true however however that was that isn't my first that isn't the first route I would take if that makes mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. Yes. you know so I I prefer to um, have some maybe empathy be my authentic be my authentic self um, talk to people have that connection you know i I I'm a true believer that I don't, I can't do everything by myself. I need to have my team. I couldn't go up the, I couldn't go up the towers to install uh, a a dish. I couldn't be (laughs) at the front desk with every single customer, giving up their bills. I needed that team. Mm -hmm. And it's much easier to get your job done when the team works with you than Mm -hmm. against you. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was building those relationships with my with with my team because quite often I would get them to do things that other other persons couldn't get them to do exactly because they trusted they trusted that I was going to deliver and remain true to what I said and if I couldn't deliver or there was something untoward Mm -hmm. I wouldn't whilst I wouldn't tell them every single piece of information I would make sure they're informed as much as I physically could and if I couldn't answer the question I tell them I couldn't answer the question. Wow. We're human. We don't yes. have all the answers. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. All right. <laughs> Learning so much here. And I know my listeners are going to be taking notes. All right. So we're going to talk about your experience as an entrepreneur, because that's what you are yes. currently, a businesswoman. Yes. Yes. And I am currently obsessed with money. I'm obsessed with the idea of loving money and um, having lots of it. And as someone from a humble background and a lot of persons still have that experience, it's very difficult to say, I love money, right? So I know you had to have your own internal paradigm shifts around money. And you, you you boldly say that you are the owner of a global multi-million dollar company I mean for some people that would sound brackish but for me I'm like yes I love it she loves money (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't know if there's a story that you can think of that helped you to make that paradigm shift from okay humble background I had to get married young or I had to do so many things as a young woman and there was a bit of scarcity how did you make that shift that jump to being so comfortable with millions of dollars um well I don't have millions of dollars I, I, I know but I'm comfortable I mean don't get me wrong one of the things that stopped me from leaving 
um, leaving the corporate world that was, that really made me hesitate was the fact that I would have a regular paycheck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so that kept me in a situation. I think a lot longer. It really made me hesitate to think: could I actually place that paycheck mm-hmm. being an being an entrepreneur? And I really had to kind of say, well, balance it and think, well, what's best for your health or what's best for you? Because you're no longer um, feeling motivated by what you're doing, your values. And what I also found is that my values had changed. I think in your 20s and 30s, mm-hmm. you're, you're driven by the financial reward. You're driven by the, the elements of the visible elements of success, the house, the car yeah. and stuff like that. Going into my more mature years, what I found was that my values had changed. You know, that wasn't, that didn't motivate me anymore. Mm. What motivated me was seeing the, was seeing the results that I could deliver via the work I do. Yes. I'm not saying I didn't have to have a nest egg. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I again, planned, yes. planned that I needed an element of money behind me because it, it was, it's definitely been a big learning curve for me being an entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur. It's very different from being corporate where you have the, you can fall back on people when it's you, the entrepreneur, it's, it's literally you on your own, but you have to build your network and people you can turn to. But mm. again, they have different, they have different values. Yes. So, yes. but being, but one of the things for me, and I, I wrote about this quite recently is that I am a glory girl. Mm-hmm. And why I say that I actually, most of my, my career was in the sales environment. Mm, so in the okay. sales, in, so in the sales environment, you were only as good as your numbers. And it was an even playing field because you had the same targets as everybody else in the business. And you were recognized for your achievements. You did not back down from your achievements. And my motivation was being told, fantastic, you've hit your target, you've done, mm. a, you've done a nice job, a job well done. And that hasn't moved from me. That's yeah. what motivates me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I will happily advocate or self-advocate for myself because if I don't do it, Nobody else is going to get that message across as succinctly as you can. You mm-hmm. know what you're capable of. You know what you can deliver. And I don't want it, my message diluted by somebody else who, who maybe doesn't, is not able to deliver the message the way I once delivered yes. or harbor some resentment because of thinking, well, who does she think she is? Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't need to deserve that success. So I'll be responsible for that. Thank you very much. Yes, yes. Right, right. Amazing. I tell people all the time that you get to control the narrative and you need yes. to step up. You know, yes. you get to tell the story. And if you don't, the variation that you may not appreciate get yes. out there. So, right. Yeah, most, most definitely. I, I control that story. I write that narrative. It's mm-hmm. my happy ending. Thank you very much. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> right. And I love the fact that you highlighted um, a bit of legalese <laughs> where, yes, there is a distinction between the woman and her company. Uh, yes. <laughs> they're mutually exclusive. <laughs> Right. So just because your company earns a certain amount, it doesn't mean that you are taking home that amount. Exactly. Um, But it's a reflection of your efforts and the amount of lives that you're impacting. So I really love how you pointed that part out. Brilliant. All right. So I want to uh, speak about uh, what are some of the best tips that you would have for women leaders who have a difficult team dealing with where these people just seem as though they can't be motivated whether it be because they have an issue with dealing with a female boss or 
because they're just in it for a paycheck? How would you, what would you uh, say to those women? Well, I think it's a couple of different scenarios there. If mm-hmm. it's because they don't want to be led by a woman, for first, of, first of all, I wouldn't take it personally because mm-hmm. yeah. this this is where you're. This is this is this is what your situation you're in. You're going to deal with it. You either have the job or you don't have a job. Yeah. And I will, you know, I'm not going to lead you any differently or treat you, I suppose I say, treat you any differently because I'm a woman. I am going to treat, I'm going to um, judge you based on merit and what you deliver. I'll also make it quite clear, this is what's expected of you. And if you feel you can't deliver the results I'm asking, stuff, you have a choice. Everybody has a choice. You can work with me or you can work in another organization without me. That's the choice. I'm, I'm not going to force you, but I'm go- I, all I ask to do is to do the job that you're contractually paid to do. That's mm-hmm. what I'm asking. That's, mm-hmm. what the con- that's what the contract is. Yeah. And if it's a situation where people aren't motivated, as a leader, you have to find out what that, what that challenge is. What is there's, usually, there's always a reason behind the lack of motivation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if it's a case, people have been in a job far too long because I know, especially in the Caribbean, um, especially in the smaller territories, it's, it's difficult sometimes to find a, another job that will pay you the salary you've been paid for, or the level you have, because it's a much smaller market. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, the, and the opportunities are less. Mm-hmm. But there has to be a conversation with that individual about what, you know, what direction they want to go in. Now, I'm happy for you to be my business if that's where you want to stay and I will make you the best, I will help you be the best at doing that job. But again, I expect to deliver. If this isn't the environment you want to be in, then you have to make a decision. Again, you have a choice. You know, this is where you need to be, but I'm asking you to do the job that I pay you to do. Mm-hmm. And you have to be, and you have to be quite honest. And, and, and I know, I also know some people shy away from performance management, right. but I want people to be quite clear of the expectations and the consequences of not delivering those expectations. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the, that's the job. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. And that's where your more aggressive side may come into play where yes. it's, we're beyond <laughs> feelings. We're beyond being empathetic. The, you know, right now it, it is what it is. And yes. as women leaders, we have to get comfortable with having those kinds of conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I think people are very, people can get very uncomfortable. And I say this, people uh, that have, but get uncomfortable having um, difficult conversations. And I know a lot of women struggle with that. And I talk about having courageous conversations because if you don't talk about it, it's just going to sit there and fester. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're no further ahead. And and if I don't know there's an issue and there's a chat, I can't fix it if you're not forthcoming with me. Mm. How can I fix what I'm not aware of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like this is where your maybe your Caribbean side comes into play. Why, why I said that is because I know that persons from the UK, British descent, are very conservative and um almost kind of a beat around the bush kind of approach to dealing with issues, <laughs> right? So um, I know it's very, it may be very difficult for persons who are, ex, you know, experienced in a, in a more conservative environment to actually be direct with people that they have to manage. Yes, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. How do you recommend that people kind of build up to getting to that level of confidence and being forthright about what requirements are? 
I think when you, if you're going to have, if you're going to go into this kind of conversation, you actually need to again do some planning. Mm. You actually need to know what is what is your end goal. What is maybe your what is also your walkaway point? It's like an, it's a negotiation. Mm. It literally it is a negotiation. So what are the questions you want to ask? You know, don't get defensive. People will use will probably can, can often throw slings and arrows because they're being they're defending themselves. But don't take it personally. Stick to the conversation and what you're trying to achieve. And if you're still struggling with that, get yourself a coach, get yourself a mm-hmm, mentor, mm-hmm. get yourself someone you can bounce the question off. You can say, this is the scenario I'm going into. I'm not going to give you the answers because you have the answers inside you. But what I can do is guide you with the questions and also understand what your rationale is for taking, mm-hmm. the, taking the route you're taking is it the right route you need to be taking because we need to get it we need to not get it confused it's not about being emotional or taking it personal it's about what's the the, especially in a business perspective what is the business objective you're trying to achieve and Mm -hmm. how do I get there and how do I get there Mm -hmm. awesome so Jenny is there a particular uh type of CEO that you work with uh meaning is there a particular field that she has to be a part of talk to us about your ideal client my ideal client is you know my ideal client is what I'm finding is more uh going to millennials um Mm. but yeah I, I think and I was looking at thinking about this quite recently um Senior execs, CEOs, uh, maybe 30s to 40s, early 40s. Mm-hmm. And again, I say that because early 40s, as a woman, we're also going through a number of also personal things. Depending where yes. we are, we may have had families later in life. So mm-hmm. we've, got the, we've, got the, we've got the responsibilities of children. We're also going through natural changes. We're going through menopause. We're starting mm-hmm. to go into, that, go, into that, go into that situation. And people underestimate the impact that those changes can actually have on you. So we're juggling quite a few things. Despite being a leader, quite mm-hmm. often we're still, we're still the mother, the nurturer. We're still the person who responds to the family. It's going to take a while before, you know, we actually find that, you know, that, that balance between, that balance between because it's, it's been a thing that's been their culture for many, many years. So, mm-hmm. so, women, so women in senior positions, senior executives, and that's who I work with. I often say it's lonely at the top mm. because when you're in those positions, who do you talk to? Because, and especially about the business mm-hmm. or you don't, or maybe you don't want to talk to talk about that. Your child gave you so much headache that morning before you came out before the board meeting, because you're expected, there's an expectation that you should have this all sorted yeah. when really yeah. you don't. But who do we talk to without almost, without, almost showing and I don't want to say weakness but we feel we feel that we are showing a weaker side of us and we have to be this strong woman and going into that I think one of the most damaging things is the strong black woman narrative yes because we believe that we have to be all things to everybody but Mm -hmm. ourselves Mm -hmm. and because we have this facade that we believe we're living up to that we don't seek help we don't seek support Mm-hmm. You know, and asking, asking for help is one of the biggest signs of strength that I see, I, I know a woman should have, a, a woman should exhibit. 
Mm-hmm. Awesome. Amazing. Yay, Janice. Thank you so much for being so open and so generous with your information. And I know a lot of what you shared will cause our listeners to kind of ask themselves some powerful questions as well yeah. and do a lot of evaluation. So I want to finally ask you, um, well, not finally. <laughs> what are some of the exciting things you have planned for 2020? Oh, you know, it's absolutely fabulous. I'm glad you asked me that. Um, I, for 2019, I'd set myself some goals. Some of the, mm-hmm. you know, it's quite interesting because I'm just doing my annual review, my yeah. own goals of my review. And I've done, I managed to realize I'd achieved a lot. This is mm-hmm. my, this is my narrative to myself. I'd achieved a lot, but not necessarily the goals I wanted to actually achieve. Mm. And I realized that what I called my prolificness, because I was prolific in delivering lots of things, mm-hmm. was actually another form of procrastination. Mm. <laughs> Which was like... Did you okay. get that, ladies? Did you get <laughs> that? <laughs> so um, so I've said, you know, and I, looked at, and I looked at the goals I'd set myself in 2019, and they're the same goals for 2020. So I realized that I had to avoid the shiny object syndrome. Mm-hmm. I call that, you know, I get distracted by other things because I'm happy to get distracted by the things and actually stick to the plan that I actually have, that I actually have. I also realized that I was playing small mm-hmm. and which was, which was very strange again, that I was playing small, that I wasn't really stepping into, and I'm going to say my greatness, you know, mm-hmm. my fabulousness that I need to step up. So 2020, my goal is to increase my visibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm doing more keynote speaking, uh, mm-hmm. which I, I genuinely enjoy being up on stage. I love mm-hmm. it. You know, I just have a natural affinity for it. Mm-hmm. And then I've also launched, just recently launched the This Woman Can online community. Mm-hmm. So it's a community for growth-driven, growth-minded women, professional women, to really be able to have those... The honest dialogue, you know, mm-hmm. speak to women that who are sharing the same challenges that they are. Because again, I talk about women have the me, myself, and I syndrome, yeah. where we believe the only person who experienced the thing, nobody else will ever notice and that will ever know about what I'm going through. I'm the only one that can fix it. But mm-hmm. there's power in sharing experiences. You don't have to reinvent the wheel if somebody's already been through that process. Yes. Yes. Ask the question. Yes, so yes. that's the environment. That, so that's, the, that's what I've set up. So women can apply to join. It's free to join. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's thiswomancan.coach. So mm-hmm. you just go head to the, head to the site and um, you join from there. And then with that, with that I will then be um, setting what I call collectives, mm-hmm. which are small mastermind groups. Mm-hmm. There'll be the growth collective for women who are just really into their career, just growing their career. And then there's a CEO collective for CEOs, yeah. for senior yeah. women who want, because the dialogue and the conversation between the two groups can be very different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome. One of the things I, I want to, to highlight is the fact that when I was, oh, I'd say 24, yeah. um, it's when I had a sort of major shift and uh, a desire to just get as much personal growth and personal development for myself. And one of the things I realized was that the major difference between people who are doing amazingly well in life and just people who are just doing things ordinarily, 
um, is the fact that they have the support through coaches and mentors. And I'm so happy that more and more women are seeing the importance of that because our counterparts, our male counterparts, they uh-huh. it's it's almost as though it's this hidden secret yeah. that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that they yeah. actually do have mentors, many of them whom they pay lots of money uh, to have conversations with them, to bounce ideas off of them, and to help them develop that that uh, plan of action to skyrocket their careers. And so, mm-hmm, and so I'm happy that more women are getting into that. And I'm so happy that you were able to share that information. So I know a lot of yeah. people will check that out. So, I think sometimes we just need, we just need someone to see, to see through our BS. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because we tell, us, so we tell ourselves a lot of stories, <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot of reasons to why we can't do something. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. someone externally comes in, looks at you and say, hang on a minute. Let me just challenge that a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. So this is my final question, Janice. What keeps you driven? Oh, success. I told you I'm a glory girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always, um, I mean, I think, again, it's naturally I strive to deliver excellence in anything I do, be it personally or with, or with work. And with the work I'm doing now, what I... You really underestimate sometimes the impact you have on individuals by mm. just doing because to you it's just life. Yeah. This is what I need to do to get by. You know, this is what I need to do to get to where my next let's get to my next level. And you think nothing of it. Yeah. But when you share that with somebody else or help somebody else see their same path or that the fact is they have the ability to deliver it and do the same, it's a great feeling. It's a great reward. Mm-hmm. 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 Amazing. Thank you so much, Janice, for joining me for this conversation. This episode will be like an amazing start, kickstart to 2020 for my listeners because so many uh, golden nuggets were shared in our conversation today. And okay. keep doing what you're doing. And um, I'll be sharing out the links to your podcast and um, your online community um, and I'm excited to check that out myself as well <laughs> yes 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 thank you for listening to this episode of the driven woman podcast let's keep the conversation going over patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash driven woman podcast if you loved this episode and I know you did please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. This allows more people to get access to the show and the quality conversations that we have over here, right? Can you do that? I'm counting on you. And until next time, stay driven, 